Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. And is that not about the coolest intro you've ever seen? Kudos to my colleagues. Great job, guys and gals. Drilling Deep is the place on FreightWaves TV where we drill deep into the market for oil and diesel. And we call it that because you got to drill for oil to get oil. We also drill deep into the issue of, into an issue of the week. And this week it's factoring. Factoring is the grease that makes it possible for a lot of drivers to stay on the road since it means they don't need to wait 30 days or more to get paid. But technology to pay people is racing ahead at a pace that maybe even factoring can't keep up with. Craig Cohen is our guest today. He's part of it. Actually, he's the head of a, a new factoring company called Transcap. He's going to tell us what the industry is doing to keep up with the pace of change. On diesel, what a difference a week makes. A week ago and the week before that and the week before that and the week before that. And, well, you get the idea. I was talking about the strength in diesel. Yes, diesel has been going down overall, but the more relevant point is that diesel was going down at a lot slower pace than the drop in crude. I reviewed some of the reasons. Inventories were tight. It was getting into winter. Refiners were likely to slow down for seasonal maintenance like they always do around this time of year. Where would all of this end? It has ended. Okay, nothing in oil markets ever really ends. There's always another day to trade. But what has happened in the last week has been really startling. The recent high watermark for diesel on the CME Commodity Exchange was $3.58.6 on September 7th. I am recording this on Thursday, September 15th, and the price today has settled at $3.20.52. That's down more than 38 cents in just seven trading days. How could this have happened? This one actually has some reasonable explanations. The market's recently been so crazy, sometimes it was hard to figure out why things were going the way they were. There are reports out of China that the country's underutilized refining sector is going to start exporting more products like diesel and like gasoline. The refining sector over there is underutilized because demand is weak in China because of the various lockdowns that still go on because of COVID. So why not fire up the refineries and ship it abroad? Apparently, that is the conclusion the Chinese have made. And by the way, they will likely be using Russian crude as an input. The expectation then is we're going to get a lot more diesel exports out of China. The weekly statistics from the Energy Information Administration that came out Wednesday were extremely bearish for diesel. Inventories of ultra-low sulfur diesel had been running about 80% of where they should be for this time of year. They're now up to 84%. That's a big move, four percentage points in just one week. There was also data out there that could be interpreted as showing that refiners were shifting more of their output to diesel and less away from gasoline. This is not surprising, given the fact that the spread between crude and diesel had been so strong, so making diesel is profitable. But the data is now there to back it up. There was also a drop in demand as measured by a category called product supplied. Then I looked over at the outbound tender volume index on sonar, and it shows that the freight volume last week did take a big hit due to Labor Day. So that wasn't surprising, but traders sure acted like it was. Add it all up, and it could be signaling that at least for now, diesel prices relative to crude are falling sharply if they're being at, by some measures, all-time highs. It's a strange time for this to happen. We're at the start of harvest season, and harvest is always a big source of diesel demand. We're also getting closer to winter, sadly, and heating oil is a distillate like diesel. So a cold winter 
can push more of the distillate pool into heating oil rather than diesel, so that can be bullish for diesel prices. As mentioned, it's maintenance time too, and refining operations inevitably slow down. What happened this past week may not last, but remember, diesel consumers are ultimately going to pay that spread between crude and diesel in the futures market. It isn't always right away. You might not make that pay- make that payment all- immediately, but it will get you eventually. So it matters. It's not just some abstract trading concept. The fact that it's coming down is a point of relief to consumers. Let's see how fast it shows up at the pump. We're going to move on here now on Drilling Deep. And first of all, I want to tell you that, yes, the background you're seeing right now is different than the background you saw for the first couple of minutes of Drilling Deep. That's because right now I'm in a hotel room in Long Beach, California. And when I'm done with this interview, I'm going to go down to the Intermodal Association of North America annual meeting over the next two days. So I'm recording this from Long Beach, and then I'll do my little, I did my little diesel spick. No, what, what, what am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? A diesel spiel, excuse me, uh, when I went, when I returned to New York. But anyway, I want to tell a little story before I bring on our next guest. About three weeks ago, I moderated a panel in Atlanta at something called the Mobile Payments Conference. The panelists represented a group of five companies that had come together to introduce a new payment system for drivers. They said it could pay drivers in two hours. The drivers in particular were those using the tool to Uber Freight. Uber Freight's the one that brought the drivers into the deal. Uh, MasterCard was one of the five. Of course, they have the branded credit card. The other three were fintech companies that you probably haven't heard of, but it was a company called Branch that was doing the software. And then right about the same time, I got a soft, I got a, a press release from about a new factoring company called Transcap. It boasted a lineup of factoring executives, really experienced, but then I couldn't help but wonder, how can factoring succeed in a world where if the five-part initiative works, a driver can get paid in two hours? It just seemed impossible to me. So I thought the best way to handle that question was to bring TransCap on to Drilling Deep. So with me today here on Drilling Deep is Craig Cohen. Craig is the president of TransCap. Let's hear him talk about the future of factoring. Craig, welcome. Hey, John. How are you? Thanks for having me. So why don't you talk about TransCap, how it came together, the extent of the uh, experience in the business, and what you think you bring to the table that's different, not necessarily from what I talked about earlier, but just within the factoring world. Yeah, you made some really good points, Sean. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it today. TransCap um, was a, an idea that has, had been baking for quite some time. And what essentially happened was a, a group of us that worked together in a formal life came together and, and saw a need in a, a tremendous industry that had a, a lot of volume and it was highly fragmented. So we, we figured we could bring our factoring knowledge into this business, leveraging the best of technology to really improve the efficiencies and drivers getting paid and, and people getting back to the road doing what they do. All right. And what is your value prop? What are you doing better than another factoring company? We're, we're doing, I think, two things. TransCap was founded for two reasons. We're, we're the ease of access, we know our clients and our drivers are spending the overwhelming majority on, on the road. So we want to make sure that they can access our information, our application, our software, their funding needs and from anywhere in the world. All they need is a, a mobile device, a tablet or a desktop, and they have what they need. The second parameter was we want to make it easy to use. A lot of the technology companies out there, especially fintech partners, are making things overly complicated. So we didn't want people to be intimidated by the software. We want to make it any easy for anyone to use from anywhere in the world. So our value prop is we're leveraging technology that you can use from anywhere in order to get your, your needs and, and go back about your business. 
So is your technology proprietary technology? Did you bring on software developers who built a transcap specific, I don't know if it's a right on the, it's right, maybe it's an app right on the, on the phone or some other way. Is it, is it specific to transcap? It's, it's, a, it's a mix, John. We, we have some external software partners, um, some of which they, they provide uh, so, some off-the-shelf software that we've highly customized and made very specific for TransCap and for, for the transportation industry. So we think that it's, and it covers sort of soup to nuts. It's the entire process from um, filling out your application in, in less than 60 seconds to then um, submitting your invoices to then getting paid. We've really leveraged a lot of great finance, uh, technology partners to, to make that happen. And we're pleased to be able to bring that to the industry and say, hey, we've got a solution for you guys. There's a lot of people that do what we do. Our money's just as green, but we think we can do it better and faster and also help you build your business uh, and get back to doing what you do. Recently, how fast have drivers been getting paid and how much do you think TransCap improves that? You know, the industry is slow to evolve, John. I think, you know, there are solutions out there similar to what we offer that help drivers get paid faster. And, you know, in the intro, you mentioned this new partnership with Uber Freight and um, all these other fintech partners. And I think it's interesting. I think that that's a great initiative and that will help move the industry forward. I don't view that type of partnership as a direct competitor to TransCap. They, they offer great solutions, but to me, it's, it's an e- ecosystem in and of itself. If you participate in their service, which is great, and you're a regular Uber Freight user, that, that probably makes sense for you. Um, the challenge is you have to operate only in that environment. You have to use your MasterCard card. You have to use your Evolve uh, bank, direct bank account. So, and you can't work with any other financing partners. So if you have another factor that you work with, you can't participate with them. Or if you have a preferred banking branch that you like, you can't. You can no longer participate with them. Yeah, let me let me just interrupt you and say I'm glad you brought up Evolve. Evolve is the bank that is one of the partners in the initiative. So go ahead. So the reason we think that that's that's great because I think that that makes everybody else up their game and they want to be competitive with that. So I think that. The, the overall majority of the industry is still behind the curve in terms of speaking of driver, driver payment. They're operating factoring with old business. So they're operating on, on legacy systems, legacy process, and at least legacy people. Um, I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, for, for many years, it was just, well, this is how we've done it. And, and TransCap is seeking to sort of break and shift that paradigm to, you can't do it how we've always done it. Does it solve the, the, the cash flow needs for drivers? Absolutely. Does it speed it up? Well, it, it hasn't really in the past. People were waiting days to get paid. So by us leveraging additional technology, by people like um, Uber Freight and Branch and Evolve and all these great companies, they're really forcing people to say, if we want to be competitive, we have to come up with something similar. So we're, we're helping to, to drive that time down and we're working on technology. It's not implemented at the moment, but we are, we are well on our way to figuring out how do we get drivers paid quickly? Part of that technology is somewhat of a self-service model, which has not sort of been the factoring mantra for, for a long period of time. And so our payment ecosystem, at the moment, it is very much pushed to push out to drivers. They, they submit their funding request. A lot of that gets automated. It gets scanned through OCR technology or processing it and then sending back their funding. But what happens to clients when you're not there at night or you're not there on the weekend and drivers are at the pump? Or, or they're leaving a dock and they want to get paid because they need to make payroll or they have a, uh, an engine to fix, whatever the case might be. Technology we're working on implementing will allow drivers to be in an environment where it is much like an ATM. Any 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they can access their available funds. 
they're still going to submit funding requests to us and submit their invoice for purchase. But they're going to have access to essentially withdraw those funds at any time. You walk up to an ATM and, you know, it says you got a $10,000 balance. You can withdraw as much as that. Ours is going to be very similar. You're going to pull up on your phone or whatever device you want to use. It's going to say, John, John Driver, you have uh, $50,000 in availability. How much do you want? And you click it and it's instantaneously popping into your account. So things like that are really pushing the industry forward. Yeah, I mean, this does sound a little similar to uh, to what the five-person initiative is. Let's give it a name, by the way. Uh, it doesn't have an overall name, but Uber Payments calls it Lightning Payments. Um, they, again, they, again, are talking about uh, a card that you could use all of your expenses on. And this would be the MasterCard-branded card and also with the Evolve Bank, which I think you're, you're saying you have an advantage that you can be a lot more flexible in, in where that money is going. Um, so now, but the other big difference between what they do and what you do is that they are talking about generating revenue for them, for the partners, um, through swipe, swipe fees. Um, what are the, what's the term I'm looking for here? Um, but, um, as opposed yeah, to transaction fees, transaction transactions fees on their payment rail. Right. As opposed to a haircut, um, that a traditional factoring company like your own uses. So if, if you're, if you're a driver and you are due X number of dollars and you can wait 30 days, instead of getting X number of dollars in 30 days, you get X minus something a lot faster. So the difference really is between their swipe fees, at least as I see it, between their swipe fees and the X minus <laughs> in traditional factoring. How do you counter that? Well, there, there's no there's no way around it. That's exactly accurate, John. They're making their their fees through the payment network, which we are not. We're obviously not involved in that kind of business, and we have no intention of being. We're going to do what we do best, which is factoring for entrepreneurs to help them solve their cash flow needs and grow their business. The, the, the challenge is up to the driver to what, what fits and works best for them. So if they want to be in an environment where the fees are essentially, there are no fees directly to them, they're, they're, they're recovered through the payment network, but there's limitations to that. So do you want to, do you want to pay no fees, but you have to, you can only use one card. You have to use their deposit account. Um, is that is that worth it to you? And you can only book loads through their load board, which is super freight. The, the trade-off is you can work with someone like Transcap. You can get access to cash just as quickly. You can get deposited to any account you want. You're not bound by a card. My concern with, with these cards, and there are other companies that are leveraging similar technology to receive payments on cards. The problem is you can't pay your payroll with a card. You can't pay your rent with a card. And so my concern is if you're limited to just a card or a card and a, a very specific and dedicated um, bank account, you're, you're losing the ability to operate your business the way you want. You're now bending to what, the, what, the, what your financial partner is telling you where they want you to do because it's profitable for them. We're saying, look, we're in this together. We're going to share some of the costs, and, but we're going to be flexible. There's a small haircut, and it's nominal if you look at an invoice. The, the trade-off is... We're going to give you the flexibility. We can still give you money when you want, but you can use the money, get it deposited where you want and use it how you see fit. So if you have a preferred banking partner, whether it's local or a national bank, you have the ability to put that in there. And then you can use the funds to see fit. You, you don't have to take it to a card and swipe it somewhere. Although I should say, if you do have on, you do receive your funds on those cards, done, they give you the ability to then subsequently transfer to another operating account. The challenge with that is you're, you're, you're reversing the problem. We're back to where we started. To get funds off that card into your preferred operating account, you're now at one to three days. You're bound by traditional ACH payment rails. So while the, you know Lightning Pay may say you still have the ability to get the money where you want, 
you're, you're only increasing the problem. You got the money quickly on your card, but now you can't access it to actually get into your bank account to make your payroll or to pay your rent or all, all kinds of other bills, pay your, pay your uh, payment for the leases on your fleet and things like that. Uh, I do want to mention to, to our listeners here, our viewers, I should say viewers now, now that we're video, um, that you can read a story about the five team initiative uh, on FreightWaves.com. I think the easiest way to find it would just be Google my name, John Kingston, FreightWaves. If you Google Uber Freight, it would pop up and you can take a look at that story. It's from about three weeks ago. You know, we're talking about factoring here and we're talking about this new initiative and we're talking about TransCap Your Own. And the name of the behemoth in the in the industry has not come up. And that's Triumph, uh, Triumph, Business, Triumph Bank Corp uh, and Triumph Pay, which is their, is their factoring arm. Um, no, actually, Triumph Pay is the, is the payment arm. Tri- Triumph Business Capital is the factoring arm. And it, it, I've been noticing that their stock has been getting just absolutely pummeled recently, which I assume is a function of higher interest rates. Uh, how much is that bad for the business when interest rates go up? It's, it's going to be challenging for a lot of people, not just factors and banks, but also at the end of the day, it's going to be carriers and drivers. I, I was, before I was in factoring, John, I was, I was in commercial and corporate banking for 15 years. So now I'm a recovering banker, I like to tell people. But at this point, um, as we look about at, at rising interest rates and inflation in the coming 12 or 18 months, um, maybe we've staved off another rate hike for, through the end of this year, maybe one more, but there will be several more as, in the coming year. Provide several challenges for factors. Banks who are factors are going to get hit double. Banks themselves are, because they're heavily regulated, they're, they have um, uh, the appropriate oversight from, from the government. There are a lot of things that they have to, confines that they have to stay within because they're federally, federally regulated. Um, the challenge for that is, they, they can't, they have to do deals and look at traditional factoring models that are very much in their wheelhouse to fit in the box. It's slightly outside of that. They really can't do anything. Their, their hands are tied for the most part because they have to either report to the street or they have to report to the Fed and say, this is what we're doing. This is why we went off course. Someone like Transcap, who's privately held, we have the ability to do all kinds of creative things. And I think that's what made us successful in our past. And that's what's going to continue to make us successful down the road. Not being, not having regulated oversight, and not that we're, of course, not doing anything wrong. You know, one of our core values and, and probably the most important is to act with integrity. But the ability to not be bound by specific deals that have a, a credit rating of X or a dollar threshold of X, we have the ability to say, you know what, we're, we're in the spirit of working with entrepreneurs because that's who we are. We want to help them and make them grow. So the challenge is banks are in this incredibly regulated environment that they have a lot of scrutiny on by both the Fed and um, the street. As interest rates go up, their ability to then lend dollars out to people, that, that cost essentially gets passed on. And at the end of the day, if you're a factor, most factors are borrowing from banks. So factors have costs. They're going to they're pass their borrowing costs on. And then ultimately, it's going to impact the driver. And their rates are going to go up. I think we're, we're in a unique position. We are a, a well-capitalized company and have um, really strong investors that most of the most of this inflation and high interest rate environment, we can we can absorb some of that much better than a lot of competitors can. So we have the ability to say, you know what, things are a little bit more expensive. It costs us a little bit more to run our office and our operations, but we don't have to pass 100% of those costs directly onto our clients. We're in a position that some of that doesn't quite affect us as much because we are, we are not totally dependent on borrowing from a bank 
or being a bank and having those same high interest rates affect us? The um, the uh, when when drilling deep was audio only, I had a guest on. I've forgotten now who. I won't bring up his name up anyway. From the factoring side, who said that he felt the factoring business was ripe for consolidation. There's a lot of companies out there. Yeah. And a lot of them are really big, like Triumph, and a lot of them are really small, like people you've never heard of. I'm sure you've heard of them, but most people haven't heard of them. Sure. Would you agree? And do you did you go into this with the idea that maybe you could be part of the consolidation process on the acquiring side? I, I yes, 100. We we know it's an incredibly large and fragmented business. There's a lot of factors out there. Most people, especially ones in the industry, know the you know the top 10 or 15 or so. And there's a long list of ones that are extremely small. We went in knowing it was a fragmented environment. We have a long history of success in the backroom business and plan to leverage that. Between our knowledge um, as operators and, our, and the, the ability to leverage new technology, we thought it was a fantastic environment. I do believe it's ripe for consolidation. It has, even over the last five to seven years, we've seen a lot of consolidation from people we consider direct competitors um, during those times. But I think we're going to see even more. People have, can't absorb those costs as, as inflationary measures go up and borrowing rates increase. People can't pass those costs along. People just, you're no longer competitive. So the challenge is going to be that they can't operate as profitably as they once did. And yeah, that was one of, one of the many reasons we decided this was a good opportunity for us to jump in. We think we have the ability to go on and acquire people along the way. Um, some of that is simply market share. Sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's just to have a bigger portfolio. And I think we're going to do, we're going to look at those opportunities one by one and make sure that they make sense and align with our strategy. We're not going to go out there just for the sake of acquiring and just to, to build up the biggest portfolio we can because we have shareholders to report to and we have a portfolio uh, that, that we report on. And it's not really about a turn and burn strategy for us. We're in this long, for the long haul to build a fantastic factoring business to really support our, the transportation industry in this country. Can you give us some information on your backing and your capitalization? So we don't share a ton publicly, John. What I will tell you is that we have a, a same core of investors that we did in our past life. And we have a, we have a very well-heeled balance sheet. And we're, we're thankful for that as we launch a new venture. We do have a, a, a strong banking relationship that we've leveraged from, from the past as well. So we're, we're really in an environment where this would typically be startup mode or thinking about it because it's brand new. So we aren't considering it a startup, really just as an extension of, of what we've always done. So we're thankful to be in that, in that position. And we know that that ultimately benefits our clients because they're the ones who, who receive more competitive pricing because we haven't leveraged ourselves to the hill knowing that we have to pay back. So we can, we can take those cost savings and pass them along to clients. All right. Craig Cohen, the president of Transcap, a new factoring company, though he is certainly not new to the factoring business. He is the president. He has been our guest here on Drilling Deep today. Craig, thanks for joining us. John, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. You have been watching for the second time. Drilling Deep, we are part of the Freightcast family. I was going to say the Freightcast family of podcasts, but I guess that doesn't work anymore. We are part of the Freightcast family of shows that you can find on Freightwaves TV. Uh, a new edition is published every Friday at 2.30. We're available on demand at all times. I have been your host, John Kingston, and please join us again.